0: I, I wish you knew how deeply I believe everything we just sang. I don't know. I don't know where you are. You might not have the luxury of having that kind of, you know. That's based on more just cognitive ascent. It's it's a it's a reality that you've walked in. Some of you have walked in it for much longer than I have. But he's real. I mean, he, he he's not in the grave. He's resurrected. He is in our midst today. I mean, you try to just imagine. John Lennon said, imagine there's no heaven. Well, try to just imagine that there is a heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he cares and he loves you and he wants you to listen this morning because these are words directly from him. You ready for this? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this glorious day. It just happens to be a glorious day. 75 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, no wind. Lord Jesus, only you, but even beyond the weather, Lord, it's your presence. Father, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit now. We have many among us that, you know, are just wondering if you even exist. And Lord, I just ask that you would make yourself known in a profound way to them. That you not only exist, but that you deeply care for them. And you deeply desire a relationship, the very purpose for which you created them. Thank you for that in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, some of you know and some of you don't. And and look, I know I tell golf parables. Jesus told parables. I tell parables. I tell golf parables. Why? Because that's all I know. I mean, I like it or not, you've you've got a golf pro up here. You know, maybe one step below a tax collector, one maybe one step above a fisherman, maybe, that's debatable, that's debatable. And if you're a fisherman, don't come up to me afterward and say anything. But through my life, it's always, it's constantly amazed me in being a backswing watcher, how people will come to me and they'll say, okay, I'd like to sign up for a series of lessons. This was in the old days. I hadn't done this in over two decades, but... Um, come to me and say, you know what, I've, I've got a little thing I need from you. I need a lesson. I need, and I said, well, Mr. Smith or whatever. Uh, what, what are you desiring? What, what would you like to accomplish? Well, I'd like to hit the ball a lot further. I'd like to be very consistent. I'd like to bring my handicap down at least five or ten shots. And uh, I just want to enjoy the game. <laughs> but I don't want you to change my swing. Now, you laugh, but I cannot tell you how much we live in a world that aspires to the Hail Mary Pass, the the Golf Digest tip, and the souvenir shop in the, in the airport on your way to play in Bandon Dunes or something like that. In fact, I, these are some of my old Golf Digest. Play better in a New York Minute. That's what we want to do. We want to play better in a New York... I, get, I don't know how long a New York Minute is, but... Hideki, learn Hideki's real magic move in two seconds or less. And one of my favorites, DJ, Dustin Johnson, his secret to effortless power. Well, he's about 6'4", he can dunk a basketball, he's got, the guy's unbelievable, but it's effortless. I don't know what it is in our psyche that makes us believe that we are just one, one hint, one uh, little piece of wisdom. One swing tip, one just one little thing away from correcting everything in our lives and being becoming content. And we search it down. I mean, go into the self help books, they're everywhere. I mean, it's just everywhere. I mean and and you could do it through money, you can do it through there's a million things you can do it through. And yet let me ask you a question. If you've tried to apply that to Jesus has it worked i find people all the time that they say well it didn't work for me it wasn't fun didn't feel like didn't feel good to me at all in fact it became miserable it became drudgery a swing tip jesus really a swing tip jesus what have you come to jesus for well, there were as we're going to explore a little bit this morning there were people all over the bible both during the time of jesus and after he even ascended to the right hand of the father were always looking for well they were looking for golf digest Jesus. They were looking for just give me a little something and then and then and only then I know I'm just positive that well somehow I'm going to I'm going to be content. A lot of people come to Jesus today for all kinds of things. I, my marriage is suffering. I can't tell you. My marriage is suffering and uh well, maybe I'll go down to the local church and see if they can help me with my marriage. And then maybe they do. They go through some counseling, they get their marriage back, and then and then things don't change substantively, even though their marriage may have gotten back on track. Or what about just family problems? Or, you know, maybe, maybe Jesus can just be an incredible moral guide for me. You know, I've needed a little bit of something, and He can give me insight into what it is to be good. People use that Jesus' teachings, you hear that all the time. Joseph Campbell, uh, you see uh, Deepak Chopra, are lots of people are talking about Jesus, but it's more swing tip, Jesus. Help me, give me a little something, and we fit his words into our own narrative that we have created for ourselves. What about health issues? We see that all over the New Testament, people coming and wondering, oh, Jesus, can you just heal me. We're going to look at that as well this morning, or my business or my money situation, or even a vague notion of what I like to call grandma comfort. Uh, I don't know what's on the other side, if there's another side, but I've seen my grandmother or my great-grandmother or a grandmother of another, and they seem to kind of, well, they weren't as educated as I was, and they kind of have this, they kind of cling to this hope and so somewhere we stash that little swing tip down into our brains and we imagine that well we call i call it grandma comfort we don't think deeply about jesus we don't go to jesus and ask him how to kind of revolutionize our golf swing what we do we or our lives in this case using that metaphor but we kind of come back and we go well it gives me a little comfort just to have that in the deep recesses of my mind maybe there is something well maybe there's something out there you know, we even use Jesus to allay the boredom, even, you why know, why do people only come on Christmas and Easter? Because there's a certain spectacle to it. Would you agree? I mean, we come and, I mean, look at all this. Look what the hotel did for us. None of our staff had anything to do with this. The hotel just can't, of course they had something to do with this. I mean, they've been working. Yeah, that's exactly right. Can you believe that? I don't know how they did this. Laura came down. She goes, it looks amazing. And I said, well, it's our, it's amazing staff. Thank you for that. But the spectacle of it all, there's a Swiss-born British atheistic philosopher named Alain Duboutin, and he talks about even the constructs of church, how we live in a secular world, and he would say, and of course there's no God, and he would lay, he would lay that down at the feet of people just as a, any intellectual wouldn't actually believe in God. But, boy, we like what they have. They come together. There's community. They come together with common purpose. They can sing songs and be incredibly happy together and joyful and spend life together. And he actually began to erect all over England. He had this idea to begin to erect something akin to church where people just came and had religious constructs without, but we can kind of do away with all the Jesus stuff. There's a million things you can come to Jesus for and miss the crux of everything. Have you ever watched one of those movies? I was asking my daughter last night, I said, Can you think of any movies? And I couldn't think of anything specific. She talked about, um, was it, uh, what's the fish? Nemo? Is that what it was? Nemo? where did you watch it? You could see you watch that with your grandkids or your kids or something. And they're always and they're just real close to finding Nemo, but they never find and then they get right there and then they pass them by or some movie where maybe someone's lost a child and here comes the car and they're rushing to go somewhere and they don't realize they just passed their child. It's horrible. or even in romantic situations. Think about it with Seinfeld, you had Jerry and Elaine and they never quite get together. everybody's like they should get together. it's just something should be consummated here. This is this relationship should happen. They should be married, they should live happily ever after. In almost all of those uh, series, like Friends and the ones that were real popular, there was always a couple that never could quite get together, but they were so close. Even back with Cheers, you know, Sam and Diane, and finally they got married, and it was catastrophe. But anyway, you get the point. <laughs> you get the point. I want you, I was, I was at the Vintage Club early this morning doing a sunrise service. I've been invited to do that for the last 10 or plus years. And Bill Gates has a house there. Now imagine for a second, Bill Gates, and Bill Gates decides to get up one morning, and he says, you know what, I don't really, he's, he's already been, he's made it pretty plain and it, already that he doesn't want to give all of his inheritance to his kids, and he's going to give them some, and they're not, it's not going to be poverty-stricken or anything, but he's going to give most of his things away. But a little bit like Buffett did with um, Bill, uh, Mr. Gates, I should say, like Buffett did with uh, Mr. Gates. Now he's going to go out and find someone to take on his entire inheritance and live into that lifestyle. And say, for instance, he got up one morning, today's the day, I have decided to go out and the first person I find along the streets, I'm going to ask, would you be the person who can oversee my estate, oversee my land? Obviously, you can live in all my homes and everything, but I want you to kind of pretty much inherit everything that I have. And say he walks out the door and he's walking around, maybe he's at the vintage club and he's walking down the street and he meets a young man and there's a young man and He's walking by, and he just says, this, is, this really could be the guy. And he starts talking to the guy, and all the kid says is, hey, Bill, can I bum a cigarette off of you? Now, you would say, what a tragedy. I mean, the guy was about to let you in on his entire inheritance, and you wanted to bum a cigarette off of him. Don't you realize the opportunity that you missed? We do it all the time with Jesus. We come so close I think after Jesus had ascended and Paul's preaching to Agrippa, they just wanted the spectacle of the thing. Yeah, sure, let's bring him out, let's listen to him. And and he made a comment, he says, Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. But he was more interested in the spectacle. You know, I think of a number of cases in the Bible, and we looked at this, actually, if you're part of Church of the Red Door in Luke chapter 12, we saw a very interesting story, and I'm just going to read reread it for just for you for one second set this up Luke chapter 12 verse 13 someone in the crowd said to him teacher tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me really is that I mean you have the creator of your soul right in front of you and he said man who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you and he said beware and be on your guard against every form of greed Jesus is going and he said he begins to talk about idolatry in this sense Paul actually calls greed idolatry He said, what happens is when you're so riveted on something and getting something under the delusion that if I just get this, in this case, all of my inheritance that I'm owed, somehow my life's just going to turn into flowers and puppy dogs. I wonder what I wonder what that guy's thinking now. I wonder if he ever even listened to Jesus. Or did he just come to one of these shindigs that Jesus was throwing, one of these teaching festivals of sorts, and just think, all I need, all I need. Well, maybe this guy can help me with my inheritance. He was obviously ruled by the seen realm, wasn't he? He had no idea who he was talking to. He was more concerned about his stuff. It's just idol- idolatry is just getting things in your eyes where you're blocked, you can't see. Jesus for who he is. That kind of mindset about Jesus leads to, you know, this didn't work for me. didn't work. I I can imagine, and I don't know the end of the story, but possibly that very guy said, you know what, I I saw Jesus. He was a teacher, and I asked him a question. They won't tell you what it was, and it didn't really work for me. I meet people all the time. Tried religion, didn't work for me. You know know what they came in contact with? Swing tip Jesus. Not Jesus, resurrected, crucified, king of the universe, savior of your soul, abundant life giver. No, they came in contact with a magazine and a souvenir shop, and they tried it, played better golf in a New York minute. Well, I'll buy that copy, and they tried, uh, well, here we go, you know, we got this and this, and boy, if I can just uh, increase my club head speed by 25 miles an hour and all that other stuff, I'll be fine, and well, you know what, that just didn't work for me, that's That's scoff digest, Jesus. What about the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19? Someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said, which ones? And he goes, I've kept it, I've kept it, I've kept it, I've kept it. And then finally Jesus said, all right, go sell everything you've got and follow me. And he turned his head down. We know the story. And he walked away, the rich young ruler. I wonder what the rich young ruler came to Jesus for. Really, what he came for is someone, we needed a little swing tip, maybe redirect his philanthropy, his goodness, his his moral character, his moral fortitude. And yet, Jesus saw right through to the heart and said, you can't see the unseen realm because you are so blinded by all these other things, including your wealth and your power and your position well, your position in life. It's so difficult, Jesus would go on to say, for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom. In other words, for a wealthy man to see Jesus as something more than a moral compass. He was just looking for a quick swing tip to help him secure eternal life. He was And Jesus had all that, by the way. But he was blind to it, and so he turned and he walked away. Or what about in Luke chapter 17? Ten lepers while he was on his way to Jerusalem, verse 11, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, Master, they, they knew he had some special power, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now, one of them, if my Rice University math tells me, it's about 10%. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan, and Jesus answered and said, well, what about the other ten? Or were there not ten, excuse me, and only one? Right? Where are they? Where are the other nine? And was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up, go, your faith has made you well. Now, again, they were in it for the healing business. We see that all the time. I mean, I, I guess I could set up some kind of healing crusade, and I might get a lot of people to show up. And some would be healed, maybe. Some wouldn't be healed. I don't know. Depends on, I don't know, all the factors. God heals people, and I've seen Him not heal a lot of people. But what if it didn't work for them? I tried that. Well, they got a hold of Golf Digest, Jesus. They're There is something greater here. Remember when they had the conversation with Jesus about the temple and Jesus said, there's something greater than the temple here. Now, you can imagine this started about 19 years, 19 B.C. Herod begins the restoration of the entirety of the temple and it was beyond magnificent. It is more magnificent, I think, than anything we can even construct in our minds today with the gold overlays and just unbelievable and certainly given 2,000 years ago, this would have been a marvel of marvels, and they were fascinated with the spectacle of what was going on. And yet, Jesus had the audacity to say, something much greater than that temple is here. Now, would you believe that or would you be caught? What about the non-leprous, now non-leprous former lepers? The nine, what happened? Goff digest, Jesus. There's still 30 handicappers. They're still going into souvenir shops on their way. They're still po- picking up the latest Golf Digest, looking at the little, where you try on the sunglasses, and they're trying to see if their club face is right, or if they, and then they look at the magazine again, and then they try it, and they go, okay, I got it, and then they go out, and there's still 30 handicappers. After all these years, it just doesn't work. You know, and a lot of people, they begin to think, you know what, I'm just going to quit the game altogether. I can't imagine that Jesus could possibly love me. I've tried Jesus. It didn't work for me. I'm going to ask Chrissy to come up here, if she would. We have a, a, a little mic for you. Thanks, Chrissy. Hey, would you welcome Chrissy to the stage? All right. And her lovely happy husband. Easter. Yeah, happy Easter. You know, I'm so happy. Uh, this this was uh, maybe four or five weeks ago. There was a particular message, and you came up to me afterwards, Chrissy, and you said something, and you had tears in your eyes. You said, something really changed today, and I'm interested in what changed. Tell us a little bit.
1: Well, if I may, can I give a little background? You give all the background
0: you want. How much time do I have? You have all (laughs) the time you want up to three and a half minutes. Well, yes. Oh, (laughs) three and a half. Okay. No. Um, No. Um,
1: Yeah, it was really transformative. It was three weeks ago, actually, because it's in my brain. I know this now because 30 years ago, I made a decision that was based on poor medical advice and poor faith. And it has lived with me for 30 years every single day. Mm. I've had guilt, shame, undeniable unforgiveness for it. A few lo- years later, my, um, my brother and my parents got baptized. And that kind of started my real journey as an adult into faith in Christianity. Um, I was not baptized. But I believed. I believed in God. I would go to Christmas, Easter, and all the other days as well, <laughs> the other Sundays, and go to church. Um, Oh, and the big thing is, is that our family was definitely a football family, so you'd see John 3, 16 everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, right? right, You know, it's not just a play. Absolutely. (laughs) So I knew that, you know, God gave his only son, and for those who believe, we're not forsaken. And then fast forward 24 years, and my husband, Blair, amazing, faithful man, led me to my relationship with God, Hmm. and that's really when my relationship with him started, but still, every single day for 30 years, shame, guilt, unforgiveness, every single day. And even though became you know, more of a believer, small groups. I mean, I even led a Lynx during the summer, a Lynx wow. women's Bible study. But for me, it was still day-to-day shame and guilt. And even though we would talk about <laughs> Jesus being our Lord Savior, and forgive us of all of our sins. So you had it up here. I had it just up here. something had not... And I talked to everybody else about it. But I believed just this one thing. I just wasn't worthy of it. And there's no way he could forgive me. I'm living with this unforgiveness of myself. And there's just no way this is being forgiven of me. Hmm. And then, three weeks later, or three weeks ago, you did a message on... Blasphemy being the only sin that isn't forgiven. So you were talking about blasphemy. I was hearing blah, blah, blah. Not that you're blah, blah, blah. You're amazing. (laughs) And everyone said amen. We know. we, We felt that before. No, not at all. And Not you, blah, blah, blah. But what I kept hearing was every other sin is forgiven. Every other sin is forgiven. And I walked out. I was like every other sin in the world for every other human being. That includes me. That includes you. And for the first time, you know, when you go to church and you hear, we're not worthy, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. So it would just reinforce that feeling before, I'm not worthy. See, I'm right. I'm not worthy of being forgiven of this sin. Hmm. And that day I went, okay, maybe as a whole human race we're not worthy, but me is Chrissy and this one sin, that was the day three weeks ago after 30 years, I'm worth it, Hmm. because he died for me (laughs) and my sins, and I am worth it. And these tears are not out of sadness. It's out of relief, because I finally, after 30 years of forgiving myself, because of that message. Love you. That
0: was awesome, so good.
1: And I gave it up to him for the first time ever, I gave it over to him. I've given my marriage over, I've given my business over, friends, family, but I finally gave mine over to him. And I just hope that if anybody in here is has one of those on their heart, give it over, it's worth it.
0: Was that any good? Yeah. Thank you, I love you. Beautiful, Blair, have you seen a difference in your bride over the last few weeks? That was a yes. That was a yes. Chrissy, thank you so much. You know, Brian Simmons says that we have have to recapture the awe. The awe of what? The awe of Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. It's too easy to go out and shop Jesus as... Golf Digest, Jesus. Oh, I'll help you with your marriage. I'll help you with. Oh, he'll do all that. Trust me. I, I, I'm a recipient of him fixing my bad swing plane and my club face and my blah 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 blah. If you're a golfer, if you're not, forget about it. That's that's when I just said blah 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 blah. She's right, but <laughs> understand that you have to come, but it it really necessitates something much deeper, which is. Lord, you, you were raised from the dead. You know, C.S. Lewis also said that true faith is never found alone. It is always accompanied by expectation. Always. See, what Jesus has called us to do is not just to come to him for a swing tip, but, but to, as that one now newly healed former leper did, fall at his feet and worship. Why? Because through the resurrection, it gives us a living hope. It makes us know, the this guy is credentialed. You, you come back up out of the grave. The very, Paul told the Corinthians, both in 1 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 4, it's like, he the power of the Lord raised him, and you'll be raised. If he's been raised, you'll be raised. I don't, I don't know what that does for you, but that... That quells all the existential dissonance in my mind when I go, is this, all our, is this all there is? People are committing suicide all the time. And I'll refer back to Alon, the atheist, former, grew up in Switzerland. He said, Switzerland is one of the most prosperous, one of the uh, happiest, ostensibly, places That we won't have political division. He talks about that. We really just don't have political division. We have very little problems. Crimes very low. And yet people are committing suicide all the time. It's incredibly high. Why? Why? Was he raised or was he not raised? If he wasn't raised, we're back to Goth digest Jesus. We're back to, well, maybe he can help us a little with our morals. Maybe his teaching can help us a little with our marriage or our business or something. But, folks, he was raised, and that necessitates another step. It doesn't necessitate a step of coming and asking him just to help you with something. It necessitates a step of coming and falling before his feet as the creator of the universe and the Lamb of God, both. It's an incredible concept, so important. You know, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, listen to what Peter says. Now, this is the same fisherman who had made this mistake over and over again, trying to help Jesus out all the time, not really believing. Listen to what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's not his name, Jesus Christ. It's Yeshua, the Messiah. Christ is the anointed one or the Messiah, the long-awaited one of Israel. He is our Lord. He's the master. So he's saying, Master Jesus, the Messiah, who according to his great mercy, again, for you CRD folks, mercy is just not getting what I deserve. Chrissy may have felt that she deserved worse, but mercy says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. And then by grace, grace is giving you something that you don't deserve. Not mercy, not giving you what you deserve, and grace giving you something you really don't deserve. It's a powerful thought, he says. And I, it, by this mercy, it's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of this Messiah, this anointed one from the dead. Not figurative, metaphorical, allegorical, none of that. It's a literal raised from the dead. He was breathing no more, and he explodes out of the tomb. I'm just telling you, history has proven that narrative to be right. I'll tell you, it has. Not not Goff Digest. You're going to meet those Goff Digest people all the time, and they're going to say, "I tried that; it didn't work. Religion made me miserable. I felt you know guilty all the time. I you know just go on down the list." But, but you're going to meet those few that have been walking with Jesus, that have fully picked up their cross to follow Him and have lived into the fullness of everything He taught about reality. They've given up their lives. They've, by try, they're not trying to save their lives anymore, and they found Him. Now, meet that person and ask them, How are you doing today? And I don't care, and I have some folks in here, and I'm two of the most gracious people, and they're in wheelchairs here today. And I'm telling you, every time I see them, they glow. They glow. Where do they get that? How can you be happy and rich and content and everything going your way and be ready to, well, call it quits on life? And then you see somebody that's so desperate, so needy. It looks like in the scene realm, but in the spiritual realm, they are bold. They are content. They have met the true Jesus. Have you met the true Jesus? That's what I'm asking you this morning. Have you met the true Jesus? Why? To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away. You know, if you had been the guy that Bill Gates came out to, and instead of just bumming a cigarette, you had even walked into the inheritance, you'd say, whoa, boy, that would have changed his whole, well, probably would have changed his whole life but that guy's still going to be grappling with every a question that every human being asks. That comes to an end. I've been out in this valley long enough. I have been at so many different bedsides I can't even begin to describe. Some of them, joy, peace. The family's there or not. They're just such peace. You can see that they echo the words of Paul, to live is Christ, but oh, to die is gain. And then I've been at the bedside of people, that were going through more terror and, more, well, who are they? They had tried to use Jesus for a swing tip, for a life tip. They have no relationship. Jesus wants you to have a relationship. Do you understand that? He died not so that you could be a Christian or a religionist or any of that. He died so he could have a relationship with you daily, moment by moment, supernaturally, wild world we walk in where, as we said a few weeks ago, Everything that you pray in this realm will be given you. I'm telling you, that realm exists. If you've never tasted it or touched it, it's available to you. You know, John 3.16, we know it. Chrissy alluded to it. it. wasn't a play. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would never perish but have eternal life. To believe in Jesus, to believe everything He said about your reality, the purpose for which you're on the planet, everything. Not a little bit, not a little piece, not a swing tip, everything. You have to eat the whole thing. And if you go back to Exodus 12, and some of you may want to be to know, why do you call it church at the red door? That, that blood that was spread over the doorposts of the lives of those uh, that were in captivity in Egypt allowed the that angel of death, to pass over and not take their firstborn sons. You are passed over in judgment. But what were they to do? Where did that blood come from? From a lamb. How did they know? Well, they had to bring it into their house, and it had to be unblemished. And then he told them very clearly, he said, you need to eat the whole thing. Have you just taken a swing tip from Jesus? Are you willing to go all the way with Jesus? Everything He said about you and the nature of reality, you won't find life until you do that. You will not find life in a tip, a moral tip, a health tip, even a healing, or even coming to church, or the spectacle of it all, you won't find it. I'm going to close with this, Mark chapter 14. It's a very interesting thing. You know, these disciples, (laughs) they'd struggled. In fact, without the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, you know, they just made mistake after mistake. This is just just right as Jesus is being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, just to give you a little context. In Matthew 14, Mark 14, he says this, and they all left him and they fled. See, they were hoping that Jesus was Jesus, the commander in charge to overtake the Romans. And so when he got arrested, that was over. That was Goth Digest Jesus. And it's very interesting and rarely preached, and I don't ever remember having taught on it ever, but I'm going to teach it now. The next verse is simply this. A young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him. But he pulled free of the linen sheet and escaped naked. Why is that in the Bible? Is there any significance to that? Why? Because I think a lot of people come to Jesus, and they're they're there, and they they wanted him for some purpose of their own making. They weren't really there to listen to everything he came for, or listen to everything he taught about reality. And when it goes a little bad. In their view, a little off the rails, it doesn't fit their preconceived notion, then they run. And they were clothed in this white garment, which is always a picture of righteousness in some way. They were clothed in it, but then all of a sudden in running, they're back to being naked again. I wonder if there are a lot of people, maybe even in here this morning, that somehow, some way, You fled the Jesus thing a long time ago, and you feel naked. You got close to it. You put on the right clothes, and you were even there. And yet, it didn't go your way. You got arrested in in your mind in some way, and you fled, and now you're out there, and you feel naked and afraid. He's here to clothe you this morning. How would He do that? Well, it's very fascinating. It's very simple. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Now, that means believe in him and pursue him with all your heart. Don't just do this on Christmas and Easter. I think all of us, any, anybody say that's a little illogical. I'm not saying you have to come to church the red door or go. Or all I say is pursue him with all your heart. Wherever you go, pursue him with all your heart. We're going to close with this song and I've got to tell you this morning that and I'll come back up and pray afterwards but this in a sense is both a song and a prayer at the same time it's powerful and maybe you're here and you've just never maybe you got invited to come and you just don't know about all this Christianity maybe you have a million questions that's okay it's a great place to be we're we're thrilled that you're here but some of you may say, you know what? I just have the faith to believe. I, I want to follow Jesus. I've used I've used Jesus as swing tip Jesus. And you know what you're ready to do now? You're ready to use Jesus as, well, Life Magazine. Life Jesus, not swing tip Jesus. Life Magazine. My whole life. You want to give your whole life. I'm just telling you, I don't know how it happened in my life. It was just one day. I just, I want to give you my whole life. It took Took a long time, took a lot of spiritual thinking and due diligence, but at least from my perspective, but he was tracking me down for a long time, and then finally he said, I'm ready to give you my life. No more tips. I'm going to turn my life over to you. If that's where you are, just sing these words and make them their own, and if it resonates with you, then just tell the Lord, this is my song to you. Would you accept me into your kingdom? And I'll tell you on the authority of all the Scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, his answer is, well, I've known you before the foundations of the earth. I've chosen you before the foundations of the earth. Pretty hard to understand? Maybe. Hard for me to fathom. And yet, those were his words. Let's play this song. And again, I I challenge you, sing these words as a prayer. And then I'll close this in prayer.